Penix fakes it to Nixon, throws it right side to McMillan, and Boise State is there for the tackle. Oladipo and Canijo fight through the blocker on the bubble screen and fourth them again on third down. Genty left side, Genty trying to turn the corner. He will, and he will score! Touchdown, Boise State. The Broncos lead six to nothing with 2.42 to go in the first quarter. Back like we never left. Season three of Jay Sports Bar returns along with college football season. I'm your host, Jay Tust, joined by Mr. 233 himself, the second most grabs in Boise State football history, Shane Williams Rhodes. You ready to do season three, man? Season three, I am ready. It's been some time, huh? It's time to get into the nitty gritty. I wish we had better news to kick this thing off, but unfortunately for the third straight year, we are starting our season here on Jay Sports Bar with a loss for the Boise State football team. We are going to dive into this thing, but first off, we start with your initial take. The scoreboard at the end of the day said 56-19 in favor of the University of Washington. Regardless of the fact they are ranked 10th in the country or not, what do you think uh, when you look at that scoreboard and that result, Shane? Well, initially thinking, obviously, there were certain positions to me that just stood out where I'm, I'm like, okay, well, these were already, you know, some question marks and it showed. But then, secondly, you think, you're like, okay, we played a great team. Yes. Obviously. To me, that's the best receiving core in the nation. I know everyone will – debate you got Ohio State but after the one and two at Ohio State it's like a little drop off so uh-huh. I think these guys they got about three or four that can all go one through three uh, Ohio State doesn't have Michael Penix Jr. playing quarterback either that was without a doubt the most talented offense that Boise State will face uh, not only this season but you could probably go back the last 10 years I mean those three receivers as, as, as a unit along with Michael Penix Jr., along with an offensive line that was able to stay in max protect most of the game and just give Penix all the time in the world to throw, um, they won't face anybody more talented than that moving forward. There is a very, very good team and a very, very good quarterback coming to the blue this weekend, uh, but not quite that talented. We'll get into the UCF matchup later on in the podcast today. We begin, though, again, looking at this University of Washington game. Boise State gives up a number of big plays on defense. Uh, they have a number of big drops on offense. And when we get back to Boise, for the press conference that happens each and every week, the offensive and defensive coordinator, Spencer Danielson, along with Bush Hamden, were both eager to take responsibility for everything that happened at Husky Stadium last Saturday. You know, the result that came Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, I take full responsibility for it, obviously. I did not do a good job getting our guys ready for that game, and they played their tails off. They played hard. Um, but obviously didn't do a good enough job um, from a big picture standpoint, put them in the best possible situation to be successful, and it showed up on a big stage. So uh, I feel bad about it. My heart hurts, but I also am excited to get it fixed. You know, looking back at it, feel like we were trying to be aggressive, called the game aggressive, and, and I heard us, I think, with taking some shots early in those drives and, and not building some momentum. One thing I know about this offense, one thing I know about this program is, is there'll be a lot of ownership taken. It starts with me. Uh, we talk about rhythm all the time, and we got to make sure we play with great rhythm. Okay, so I know that Bush and Spencer are trying to take full responsibility for everything that happened, and, and I get that. They're the coaches. They're the one that set the tone. They, they coach the players. In a way, is it also a little bit of a message to the players where if you have coaches that can get up there and take bullets, 
How much does that increase player accountability this week in that locker room, Shane? Uh, I think as the players on both sides of the ball, the guys who obviously didn't carry the load as they should, they know who they are. Mm -hmm. So to hear the coaches come out and speak speak up for them, obviously they that makes them feel good that you know they have coaches that are behind them. Right. But for them now, I just assume you know every day in practice they're going to be challenged, <laughs> and not only are they going to be challenged because they're taking the heat. You know, on the back end, on the front end of it, but now they have they have something to prove because it's looking a little shaky right now. It, we're going to start on offense, and it's just because well, you played offense. Um, I like talking about offense, and most of our text thread pertained to what was going on on offense. Mm -hmm. You know, during the game, you know, Taylor Green finishes the day nineteen of thirty nine for two hundred forty four yards. He has the touchdown, two picks. Um, he had a stretch there in, in the middle of the second quarter where he has 10 straight incompletions. And I go back and I look, and I would say maybe half were on Talon. And it's even it even feels strange to say maybe half were on Talon. That was a very difficult day for the wide receiving group, Shane. And I know that has to hit home personally for you. Yeah. And I think my wife saw how frustrated I was watching the game the first time live with her. So when she, because I always watch the game two or three times, uh, I try to watch them late at night when she goes to sleep so she doesn't have to endure that pain right. again. But when she saw me watch it for the third time, uh, I just started, I decided just to start counting things. And I'm like, we get to the third drive. Like I told you, we had five passes that were mm -hmm. either both, four of them, both hands are on the ball. We drop it. Uh, one one hand gets on it, we drop it. It's just it would look it looked terrible. Yeah, I know that you operate with a different standard than most people watching the game. So I counted six drops, but there are a couple other ones there where you, you know, being one of the best pass catchers in Boise State history, that you carry a different expectation for that room and guys that are placing those opportunities. And when you're going over the middle or something like that, and you get a hand on a ball and that hand is a little short and you don't bother getting the other hand up to catch it, uh, obviously you're going to count that as a drop too, even though it might appear a little bit high. And I don't necessarily. You know, count that against a wide receiver, but there were just so many opportunities there. I, I go back to the very first play of the uh, for very first drive of the game, and I know these seem like small little things, but man alive, did they add up on Saturday, Shane? And when you look at that first opportunity, Boise State forces a three and out on Michael Penix Jr. Shane, I didn't think that would happen all afternoon, and it happened on the first two drives consecutively. Mind blown, but whatever Boise State was doing early worked on defense. Either way, the, the drive in between that, the first offensive drive for Boise State, getting a nice little third and three. They get Steph Cobbs on an arrow route. It looks like an easy first down, and he drops the ball. I don't love being critical of players, and I know that you're the same way. I'll be the first to tell you a guy like Billy Bones, is he has unbelievable character. If there's a guy that you would pick to be your best man at a wedding, it is probably Billy Bones because he's an incredible human being. Uh, Steph Cobbs, he has reworked his body throughout this offseason. Going, going through something similar you did, actually, which I'm going to hit on here in a second. They're great guys, but they're, they're a part of some, some key drops at times. And one of them started things off on that first drive. It seems small, but if Boise State picks up a first down there, who knows what tempo they use? Who knows how they utilize Talon's legs? Who knows if they start to run the ball and get into a rhythm and try to keep it away from Michael Penix Jr.? There were just some key drops that really, I think, added up for this team. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, your two most vet guys you have had probably led the team in drops. Which they're they're six-year seniors. I, 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 I'm sorry, but that's that, – that's, 
they'll probably be the first guys that say put it on them too, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said, that we came out and got two, three and outs. And I think we came out how Washington should have came out. So we came out throwing the ball mm-hmm. more. Obviously, Washington's strength is their receivers. They yep. came out running it. Their first two or three plays were run plays. Yeah. And they try to go back to it. They And they realized they couldn't four run out, after. Four out of their first five plays were of the run run. So time. they came out trying to establish a run, which I feel is where we should have been. Yep. And especially with how well we were being able to get a push on that. So it was a little weird. But obviously, Washington got back to what they're good what they're, at. What they're good what at. What their identity is. And I feel like we shied away a little bit away from our identity mm-hmm. because to say that Talon and Penix threw – the same amount within, I think within one. Yeah, you're right. Penix attempted amount. 40 passes. Yeah. Taylor attempted 39. To say that, that tells me a lot. Mm-hmm. We are not, that's not our identity. I mean, it yeah. hasn't been at least yet. So I think under Andy Avalos, when Boise State rushes for 140 yards, they are 13 and one, which puts them four and nine when they fail to hit that 140 yard mark and kind of off the top of my head if it's not exactly it is really close to those numbers um again this was a topic that you and i debated throughout a text message thread um you know during the game we asked bush hamden afterwards though if he felt like he might have been too aggressive and he his take on it was maybe there was a point in time where he could have played better complimentary football take a listen Obviously, there's there's always got to be self-reflection, and there was a time there in the second quarter, just just with George seeing seeing where he was at from a health standpoint. I think that influenced us a little bit, but again, self-reflection. I think you look at their two losses from from the year before: UCLA, Arizona State. Um, you know, and they certainly did a good job stopping the run against Texas. And so I think uh, sometimes you know maybe that can be in your mind a little bit too much. Uh, but certainly looking back at it, needed to do that more to uh, put our defense in a better situation and give us a better chance. Man, Shane, this this is a tough one for me because I go back and I look at the, the stats at the end of the game. Boy State had over 400 yards of offense. They ran the ball at almost a five yards per carry clip. Um, they had a couple explosive plays on offense through the air, thanks to Eric McAllister. Also, Stephon Cobbs had a had a big play. And, heck, Ashton Genty turned two screens into, into 98 yards of offense. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like what they were doing with some of the misdirection was starting to loosen the University of Washington front up. And I, I liked some of the things that they were doing. That being said, if, if, you wanna, if we have to be critical – I mean, Bush Hampton kind of said it. There was probably a point in time where he could have played better complementary football. After that start, which is hard to argue that it was – I mean, they, they had a pretty good start, but maybe in the second quarter specifically, you try to run the football and play almost keep away from a guy that might be the best quarterback in the country this year. For sure, and that's that's where – kind of not only your identity coming into the game plan, but, you know, you're playing a better team. Mm -hmm. So you have to limit how many times you're going to give them the ball. So even though running the ball is our identity, on top of that, we played a better team. So you want to keep the ball away from them. So that's what really shocked me that we kept trying to throw the ball so much. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you take away 10 of those passes and and you make them runs, Mm -hmm. you know, you might get a little bit more than – what we got right. in those passes. And at the end of the day, though, I also think that this comes down to simple execution. We've already do- talked about the drop passes. You know, there was a really important part in this game where there was about six minutes to go in the second quarter. And I, and I brought this up with the coaches. I brought it up with you. I've, I brought it up with anybody that wants to talk about it, to be honest with you. And they run a little misdirection play. They hit Riley Smith on a third and short for a first down. Mm-hmm. And George – 
Halani uh, comes out of the backfield and he blocks a defensive end in a way that two years ago nobody would have batted an eye out. But now that batted an eye out, but now that they have kind of changed some of the rules, they're trying to you know institute more player safety and they've they've taken that low block where you go at a guy's legs at the last second out of the game, and all of a sudden first and ten. In a game at the time, it was nine, It was 14-9 in favor of the University of Washington. Under six minutes to go in the second quarter, you're first and 10. Instead, now you are in third and 16. Yeah. That was a massive, massive swing. And I, I think that they were so close to the tipping point of making this such a competitive game because if they get the first down right there, I think there is, a, there is an absolute chance – that that's where they try to run the ball. And even if they don't necessarily score, being comfortable going to halftime with only a five-point deficit against yeah. the University of Washington, you just try to take time off the clock and not necessarily give it back to Michael Penix Jr., knowing that you also get the opening kickoff in the second half if you're Boise State. They were so close to that, and a key mistake led to three minutes and 39 seconds of game clock later. It was 28-9 in favor of Washington. Yeah, I think at that point, you get that first down – and we we work on it. It's a six-minute offense. Now you're trying to run out clock. You're not necessarily looking for the big hitters. You're trying to just work it down yep. the field, especially with that offense, knowing they could score in three or four plays. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it just went downhill. I think on the third and 17, I think Taylor runs for like nine yards, and then we punt it, and that's it. So yep. from there, it just, it just went downhill. It did. And you look at – this wide receiver group, and, and I can I can guarantee you being out of practice this week, I don't know if I have ever seen a more intense or intentful um, practice out of the wide receivers. Matt Miller was coaching these guys, man. And we all know Matt's one of those dudes back in the day when he was a player. He yeah. didn't talk a lot, but I would not have yeah. wanted to mess with him, especially if he had football pads on, right? Yeah, he is uh... – not a soft guy. He's so not. That. He's not a soft guy, and so he was. He was coaching with some purpose clearly this week. Not to say he hasn't before, by the way, but you could just tell the intensity was heightened after that game, and this might be a reason why. Pro Football Focus. They are one of the best websites out there when it comes to this stuff. The grade that they gave for wide receivers in that game that played for Boise State on a scale of one to one hundred was forty nine point two, and if you go back. Back to heck, Shane, when you were playing, 2014 season, that's as far as their grades go back for, for an entire year. That was the lowest single grade performance by a Boise State wide receiving core since they started keeping track of these things continuously back in 2014. 49.2. Yeah, it's tough. And that right there, I feel like just skews the entire game. It skews the offense. It skews, it skews the play calling because if we can just get half of those drops, depending on which ones we get back, yeah, totally different game. Oh, you, you we can, might not win, but we don't get blown out by almost forty points. It looks, it just looks way different, in my opinion. Taylor Green's confidence looks way different. Yeah, we're allowed to really compliment an offensive line that uh, has been much maligned over years past, but they were a bright spot for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, those guys with two freshmen, one starting at left tackle on the road against the tenth ranked team in the country in Cage Casey, Roger Carrion starting at right guard. Um, you have a couple of six year seniors, you know, Garrett Kern making his first career start at center. Uh, mm -hmm. He's played basically everywhere on the offensive line, but they had to have him play center due to an injury. Cade Bearsford at right tackle. And then you have Ben Dooley at left guard. That group, man, 
it's worth talking about them for a second because, again, considering the way the last few years went, considering the way the offensive line specifically got off to a slow start these last few seasons, those guys look ready to go. They did, and I, that was one of the part. That was one of the parts of the offense that we were worried about. It was. You know, we had all these receivers coming back. I don't think we even lost really any receivers. No, you had all your receivers come back. Mm -hmm. You have the basically the two best backs in the conference coming yep. back. You got your quarterback coming back. These are all things we're like, hey, Taylor Green's hell athletic. We're good with him. Mm -hmm. uh, the wide receivers said, don't lose anybody. Mm -hmm. If anything, you added to that room with guys like Prince Strawn and like yep. he was a gray shirt last year. Um, if anything, you added to that room, Ashton Genty and George Alani, yep, not worried about those dudes. Mm -hmm. it, the question marks were the offensive line just because it was kind of prove it mode. Yeah, and they showed up. They and did. Right now, I feel like we're going back to where we were last year at this point, and we're saying we're missing the guy and the receiver position. You're missing a John Hightower, mm -hmm. a Cedric Wilson, a Thomas Spurback, you know, yeah. a Khalil Shakir. Who, we need one of those. And I feel like, to me – Based off what I've seen the last two years, I feel like McAllister is the closest we have. I could not agree more with you, and I think that Eric McAllister is going to get there. But all of those guys that you just named, I don't think that there is a huge – I know they have different skill sets, but there is not a huge talent gap from a guy like Eric McAllister and uh, Cedric Wilson or Khalil Shakir or any of these go-to guys that you mentioned. But I can tell you, man, those, those guys, whether it be Khalil, Cedric, they were tough. And if the ball was in the air, it was not a cliche thing to say. It was their damn yeah. ball. They would go get it. Yep. And um, they operated with that every single time that ball was put in the air. And I think that Eric's going to get there because I love yeah. the way they use Eric against Washington. He played more. He played 11 snaps out of the slot. That was, that was twice as many as he played all last year yeah. in the slot. They're moving him around like he can be a number one. They're trying to find ways to get him the ball. He had 15 targets, only seven catches for 69 yards. That efficiency is absolutely going to have to improve. But I, I, I do see the value in finding the dude, finding the guy when things are tough, you get it to him, and he just makes it okay for a moment. And that moment yeah. might be enough to sustain a drive. Yeah, for sure. I'm 100% on board with you on that. That's It's just tough to watch. You know, you, we've always had a guy mm -hmm. until these last two years. Well, I, I think it goes back, you know, I definitely think the wide receiver room is deeper now than when Khalil Shakir was here. And it's so funny because we're like, oh, no, spread it out. Everything's going to be fine. And, and, and that's great. Fine and dandy. I get it. It's yeah. a great, fun thing to, to, to have an idea about. But now I also do appreciate the value of having a guy that we need something here, draw it up for him. Even yep. if it's not drawn up for him, he's going to make it drawn up for him by going up and making a play. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times did Khalil Shakir work a sideline with Hank Bachmeyer just kind of throwing yeah. it over there, and he's somehow making a one-handed grab, first down, yeah. stadium's on fire all of a sudden, go down and score. Yeah, we, that we don't have that right now. That's what we're looking for. And I'm hoping one of these young guys can maybe step up or mm -hmm. maybe even the older guys just take pride in it and just – Let's bring it. As, as crazy as it is, I'm still very optimistic about this offense. You know, and I I was a little down even on Talon's performance when I watched the game live, but you go back and you rewatch it and you take a moment to freaking breathe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I he was – a lot of it wasn't on him. I think he's got great potential for the season to come. Mm -hmm. I think he's figuring it out. And once it clicks, it's it's going to be awesome. But it, it yeah. is up to that offense and those players to execute and make it click. I mean, last year after his first game, when he did come in and relieve uh, Hank, all we kept hearing was, well, he can't throw. Yeah. But if you look back at this game, 
there's a ton of balls that are bouncing off of hands, mm -hmm. whether they're deep balls, whether they're out routes from the far hash. Like, he's making throws, and they're getting there, but we aren't making the plays. Right. If you have a guy like Talon, and I'm I, I just I'm curious about your take on his run pass balance. And this is he's it's gonna be such a polarizing topic for as long as he's here, and, and so much so that it's almost annoying in all honesty, because it's almost gonna feel like he can never quite do right, probably. Mm -hmm. If he throws the ball fifty times in a game and runs it once, everybody's gonna ask, why didn't he run more? Mm -hmm. But if he runs it twenty times and only throws it five, everybody's gonna ask. Or question, oh, can he even pass? You know, yeah. what's his, what's his, like, can he even pass from the pocket? Mm -hmm. And that's just going to be, for as long as he's here, it's probably going to be a topic, and it's probably a little bit unfair. That being said, Andy Avalos, he told us, it doesn't often, he, it's not often he gives us this information, Shane. He told us there were at least 10 read type plays that they called. And in almost every one of those cases, Talon handed the ball off. Bush Hamden elaborated on that, saying there might be a couple opportunities in there where Talon could have kept it. But it's well, all about the rule. The rule is, you know, when in doubt, got to hand it off. Got to hand. You don't want to jeopardize yeah. your, your franchise, really, mm -hmm. right? That's true. Those Washington defensive ends, they were playing very, very wide at times, yeah. and so I can see why Talon handed it off. But I, I, I just, I. It's such he has such a unique skill set. You don't want to force anything, but at the at the same time, you you have to find a way to untap that potential, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know what the balance is. I don't know if it's five carries a game. I don't know if it's seven carry. I don't know what that number is, but that's a number that probably Boise State needs to find. Yeah, but I also think we're gonna see a lot of different things this year. I think we'll have other games where he will throw the ball again, maybe 30, 35 times. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the next game you'll see him run it a ton. And I think they're going to use that to keep everyone on it, you know, on their P's and Q's. And you have to switch it up. Yeah. You know, you can't go out every week. He's not the type of runner that could run it 12 times every game. Yeah. You know, he's it's not it's not the same. He's not. He has great straight line speed. Mm -hmm. I want it being six, six. I don't yeah. think you can be super shifty, though. It's not that easy. So you have to be if yeah. you're not super shifty, you have you're you might be kind of susceptible to mm -hmm. taking a hit or something. For right. Sure. He did a good job of getting down. Uh, other quarterbacks in the past have it have a struggled with that, I would say, at times. <laughs> um, he did a good job of getting down when he did get the opportunity to, to take off. He still had over 30 yards rushing in the game. Uh, but most of the again, again, most of those were on plays that kind of broke down. Um, Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, because, again, I, I still am very optimistic about what this offense is going to do. I am just going to invest in what they are saying at this point and give them one more shot because I think if they can execute at the level that they should be able to execute, mm -hmm. it looks very differently. I think you texted me they could have scored 35 points against the University of Washington. I believe that. And when you consider what that would have required of them staying on the field with some of those drops – I wonder how many points that would have taken off the board from the University of Washington. And even yeah. some of the frustration plays at the end, I would say, yeah. where Bush goes you know, back to the well one too many times on that screen pass, and mm -hmm. UW eventually just reads it beautifully and gets an interception yeah. out of it. But I remain confident in them. Uh, the defense is, is another group of guys, though, that it's a little bit more unproven. There's a little more unknown there because of the youth they have on that side of the ball, the amount of starters they are replacing on that mm -hmm. side of the ball. The Broncos allowed 12 total plays on offense against UW of 20 or more yards. That is the most in college football all season. 
there are a number of ways that we can go with this, but that right there is the most damning, I believe. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, after watching the game the second time, uh, it felt like uh, Washington was playing Madden, and they were playing their little brother, and they knew their little brother was going to continue to run the same few plays. <laughs> and so they just, just, after it, once it, it felt like they came out, and obviously they tried to establish the run, so those, to me, those drives, you just throw them out. Mm -hmm. But once they started throwing the ball, it was just, there was nothing we could do. Penix was dropping bombs again to three of the most talented wide receivers that you're going to see in the country this season. And this week, defensive coordinator Spencer Danielson said, as they move forward, the number one answer they have to find is how to limit big plays. We know we're better, right? If, from a communication standpoint, to even a scheme, from a call, we're better than we played. And so looking at it, does that mean that if we get all these things, def, it, games never work like that. You're never going to go into a game and leave. Everything's perfect, guys. Great job. We'll see you guys on Monday. There's always going to be stuff to clean up, but we got to do a better job eliminating all these explosive plays because that's what hurt us on Saturdays. Obviously, the, the amount of explosive plays they had. In the first quarter, we were able to limit them. And then obviously in the second and third quarter, it, it opened up on us. And so that's where... Um, I mean, I believe Washington's a really good offense, but we're way better than we played. Now, when you watch a game and you see certain wide receivers running by certain individuals and you automatically say, well, that's that guy's fault, that is just simply not always the case on defense. And um, I don't know how much we have to get into the blame game here because at the end of the day, they gave up 56 points. But I do want to bring up one name because I'm just curious your take on this. Rodney Robinson, uh, their free safety, gave up a couple touchdowns on Saturday. He, he did. But the perception at times is this guy was out of place. This guy wasn't doing his job. Anybody that knows Rod knows that this dude's a film junkie, right? And to me, as I kind of relate this to my baseball career, you would try to study tendencies of pitchers. And there are times where you, you're going to guess, right? Like, yeah. His tendency says he's throwing me a curveball in this situation, this location. I'm sitting curveball. And then all of a sudden, he breaks his tendency and he throws a fastball by you that you, yeah. you barely even get the bat off your shoulder. I very well could be wrong here, Shane. But a, a guy like him, I know he's a good player. Yeah. And I just wonder if there's situations where now all of a sudden you spend a ton of time in the film room and you see a guy crossing in front of you and the tendency says, go get it. But in reality, you're probably going outside of what they call their 111th yeah. and forgetting what your main responsibility on, on the play is. Does that, make, does that I, make sense? I totally get you. What I saw a few times, for him specifically, is it looks like, like you said, Tennessee says this guy's going to run this route yep. in this situation, and the guy does not run it, and yep. he just overcommitted versus just trusting the technique, you know, mm -hmm. just, just trying to make a play. But here's where the football intelligence has to come in with okay. those is because if it's third and six on the six, or third and goal from the six, mm -hmm. do we have to gamble? Or if we get the stop, we just force a field goal. Okay. So we get one of those. So that happened, I know, in the red zone. I think it might have been the first touchdown. I think Penix, they ran Penix, Penix put the ball on the ground. They're going to stick a nod. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's – do you really have to bite on the nod? You got help, you know, to that side. And – it's just it's tough. I mean, mm -hmm. that's how, but that's what makes the gamers the gamers because you can look at the Colorado game and look at Travis Hunter. He makes that play in the flats, right? So that was incredible, he, by the way. He took that. He took the chance, <laughs> but and he took it the worked. chance. Yeah, it so worked. So it's it's hard. It's hindsight twenty twenty. But then you have other, 
you have other plays where uh, I believe, jeez, uh, it might have been McMillan. Mm-hmm. He runs. Uh, he just they basically runs a post, mm-hmm. but he's and you could just see Rodney being so flat-footed and trying to get back, and by the time he gets his head turned around mm-hmm. and trying to chase, those guys are six-three and they're they're not slow. They're, hey, going into this game and. And uh, we should have done a podcast before. I said this on the pregame show. Going into this game, Boise State had to play their A game. Mm-hmm. They were not coming out of that game with a win or even a competitive loss by not playing their A game. Yeah. And if you were to try probably like grade this thing at the end, you, Boise State probably walks away playing a, a C-minus game. And the team that's ranked 10th playing in their home stadium played probably an A-minus game. Mm-hmm. And that is why the scoreboard said what it did at the end yeah. of the day. If if they play that game again, I don't know if the score is any different, to be honest with you. But I would definitely like to hope that some of these things that Boise State goes back into the film room the, today or the last few days, and we're like, these are just easy fixes. Yeah, Do your job. Catch a pass. And that involves catching a pass or – not going beyond what you need to do. Like there are playmakers yeah. and, and there's going to be a time this season where maybe we don't, you know, we, we contradict ourselves because there's a guy like Rod that on film, he makes that play because he, you know, he does go and he, and he mm-hmm. guesses right and he yeah. gets it right. And that's, that's kind of just life of playing that position. Probably if you, I mean, I always say if you're a DB, especially a cornerback for that matter, toughest position in all of sports. I, I literally think guys that want to sign up to play that are insane because yeah. they're probably athletic enough to play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, those guys are just, yeah, they're, they're crazy to me that you want to play those positions. They're cut from a different cloth than I am, and I am openly willing to admit that. But those are those are just things like I think they're going to go back and they're going to they're going to clean up. It seems like you see 56 points. How are they going to make a massive jump, you know, this season and get better? But it's I just there are Matt Miller said it today about his group. Some of these some of these things are small, and um, oh, I can't remember what he, he brilliance in the I can't remember exactly what he said, but brilliance in the details or some type of alliteration. I can't remember what he said, but he said it like that, and he's like, "We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah. We don't have to. For sure. um, they just have to do some of these small things better, and they'll add up to a much different outcome." Well, the good thing for our safeties is uh, UCF will be installing all of those plays that right. Washington just ran. They have the speed for it. Uh, they're they're obviously run. not as big, mm-hmm. but they can run. They can absolutely run. They're going to go faster in terms of their tempo. Yeah. They're going to be the guys that the, the chain, the first down chain is barely being set, and they're going to be on the heels of that guy mm-hmm. trying to move the ball already. This test coming up is, is, is going to be massive, and I, I think that – what another opportunity for this Boise State football team to begin the 2023 yeah. season? The season opener did not go their way. Uh, if if we're all if we need a glass half full approach and just have make everybody take one collective sigh at home, if we're being real with ourselves, a win on the shores of Lake Washington was being very optimistic. And oh, so, for sure. So very much the season is in front of them. And from the get-go, it seems like the truly defining games in this season, I know the Mountain West games are there. they got to win those. They should be heavily favored in just about every one of them. The road game at Fresno a little could be interesting, especially with the way that they opened up with the season with the win over Purdue. Yeah. But if you look at – if you if you want to dream about bigger bowl games, it wasn't necessarily the UW game that probably was going to be a part of the defining outcomes of no. the season. It was this game coming up here on the blue versus UCF. And the game, at, uh, you know, the, near the end of the month at Memphis. Uh, 
this game on Saturday, as we shift to the to preview the University of Washington, uh, excuse me, Central Florida. This game coming up this Saturday, Shane. I don't think there could be a more important game for the program than this one right here. Why? For so long, everybody said that UCF was the next Boise State. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that ripped off some 20-odd game winning streak. They were the ones that went on and played in a Fiesta Bowl and had this magnificent run that had this same magical feel that Boise State's run yeah. had you know, a few years prior. And now all of a sudden, you see UCF sustain some success, build their facilities, jump into a Power 5 conference. This is a Big 12 matchup. And now one could argue, people are going to hate me saying this, that Boise State is trying to be the next UCF. Oh, that hurts. Hurts. That hurts. But you looked at the, the, the trajectory of their program, and Boise State, they wish that they were in the spot that UCF was in right now. I don't think that they wish they were UCF, but they wish that they were in the spot that UCF is in right now. No, yeah, I totally get that. That's it's this game, like you said, it's gonna set the tone for how the rest of the season will go. Because Mm -hmm. if we lose this game, we're just about out of that big, that big five. It's, it it it's becomes really tough. it becomes nearly in, in, impossible, you know, to get to a New Year's Six game or something like that if you lose this game. Your team in 2014 did find a way to start three and two and still work their way back into the picture. But man, it becomes really, really difficult given the fact that you don't have like too many big name programs to knock mm-hmm. off the rest of the way and and, and yeah. build that reputation. This is just an absolute program game for me, though. I mean, this is the this is the day where the coaches have to be their best, the players have to be their best, mm-hmm. the fans have to be their best, yeah. the administration at Boise State has to be their best. This is a game where whether you like it or not, you're going like, to draw comparisons to the path that UCF has traveled mm-hmm. into the big, big 12. And in order to say, nah, we should be or should have been that school, all of that has to connect because at one point in time, Boise State won a lot of football games, and they relied on their reputation of just simply winning football games. But there, there's more to that when, yeah. it, when it comes to wanting to, to join other conferences and things like that. Otherwise, Boise State, one of the winningest programs in the country, would have no problem right now being in another conference. It was solely off winning percentage. It, it yeah. is more than that. They have to show up. Everyone has to show up on Saturday at Albertson Stadium. Yeah, it's true. And then, obviously, this is the rematch game. I believe last yep. time we played them, Gus had just got there. So Yeah, got off to a great start for the Broncos. Andy Avalos had just got there. Heck, yeah. we had just done our first podcast yeah. at, you know, so here on J Sports this Bar. This is a big one. We obviously have to even the score on this one. Cause got it. Luckily for us, they don't have Dylan Gabriel. He's now right. at uh, Oklahoma. Yep. But, they still got a dude back there, though. This is true. You know, you look at what they did in their first game. 723 total yards of offense. I know that they played a team out of the MAC that isn't going to scare anybody. <laughs> 723 yards of total offense. They scored 56 points. That is the same number of points that Boise State gave up against the University of Washington. You know, UCF ran 81 plays. 81 plays, 723 total yards. Like that's that's ridiculous. That is that that is a. That's crazy. You look at the fact they have the number one rushing offense in America. 
They ran the ball for 389 yards in their season opener. They got a triple threat back there in terms of their rushing attack. Johnny Richardson, R.J. Harvey, John Reese Pumley. That is their quarterback that is dynamic. Uh, he threw for over 300, rushed for 90. He plays baseball on the, for UCF, and he takes the cart across campus to go to football as well. He, I mean, the, the dude does everything well, right? And so this is just a, a challenge, again, Personally, maybe you want a, another game to make sure you can right all your wrongs, but if you are yeah. testing the strength of the standard and the bond of the brotherhood and all of the you know the, the buzzwords that they use over there at Boise State, mm-hmm. this game is coming at a perfect time to test all of that because it, yeah. the, the actual timing of it might not be ideal, but you lean on your foundation, you lean on the brotherhood, the strength of the standard. Again, all those buzzwords, and they show up for this game. Yeah, it's a statement game for us. That's that's the easiest way to put it. So we we got to make our statement because they've obviously already made theirs doing what they did last week. I mean, it doesn't matter who you play against. Put up 700 yards is – that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. You play against air and to execute at that level. Yeah. It's, it's pretty – I mean – They're going to go fast. They're going to test Boise State secondary. Oh, yeah. The defensive line has to sustain some type – I don't even know if I'm, I'm going to call it a pass rush. They have to just somehow make them uncomfortable at mm. times on offense. Yeah, the D-line and the linebackers have to do something to help the secondary because there's no way if our push is based mm-hmm. off how it was last week, we're done. Who is the guy on defense that becomes the dude? The guy that you're Curtis Weaver. We're all game long. They double that guy. And the one time they don't, he makes you pay. How do they find and identify the Kamale Correa? I say this in the kindest and most complimentary of ways, the psychopath that is going to wreck shop all game long and just be that scary dude, right? Who is that guy? Who steps up and, and, and assumes that identity? I just like It's much like the receiver position. I feel like we've always had one. You, mm-hmm. know? you go back, you have... You have your Shea McCullens, your, yeah. your Demarcus Lawrence's. Your, it's just every year there's a guy. So I don't know who that guy is. But obviously right now the only guy I feel like we just have that's every play we know he's going to be either making the play mm-hmm. or around it is DJ Shram. DJ so. Shram's a dude. Like he yeah. – man, it's when we go back and we watch these games and we see all the wrong and then we forget about some of the right and DJ tackled well. There was a play in that game where – they had bracket coverage, and he got involved in, in the coverage on the play. And, you know, Tubner eventually knocks the ball out right at the goal line, but DJ is running full speed on number four for the University of Washington, 50-some-odd yards downfield and, and trying to help break up this play. And I'm like, that is – for him to be doing that in that position, man, like yeah. he, he is a high-level player, a six-year senior that uh, he's going to have a phenomenal season. He's probably going to contend for Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. honors. But they still need that guy that you truly fear down in and down out. I think DJ is always a guy that you account for. Yeah. But he doesn't blitz a ton, you know? And so, like, who is is that guy, that disruptor of the game? Can it be the guy lining up next to him? Andrew Simpson. I think the world of his talent. Yeah. He's only a sophomore. I wonder what he can become and how they can utilize him, you know, I don't want to say better, but differently. Who, who can become the dude that becomes the disruptor and just makes those opposing offenses feel 
a little uncomfortable. Where's Ten at right now? Get another guy over there. You know, something, whatever it might yeah, be. I think he has, based off of, like, just watching him play this year and last year, he has the best combination of size and speed mm-hmm. to be that guy coming off the edge. I would I would love to to see that happen because they got to find a way that they can start to scare opposing offenses, just make them worry about what they're throwing at them. And mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that University of Washington was concerned with that. I mean, you'd have stayed in max protect, like, the whole freaking game, it seemed like, and – and, and Boise State couldn't provide – because they were max protected, it was hard to get to Penix. They couldn't cover the receivers of what was left in the secondary, and they just yeah. could not pull UW out of what made them comfortable. And that was max protect dropping bombs. And it, it's tough because they were max protecting, and then we decided, well, we're not getting there. Mm-hmm. So we started dropping eight. Right. And we still weren't stopping the receivers <laughs> exactly. with eight. And I'm like, there's no way. Like I said, it felt like – Big Brother was playing Little Brother, yeah. and they knew what we were going to do, and we still cannot stop it. Man, I'm so excited for this game. I'm so excited to get back on Jay Sports Bar with you too, man. Like, this is so much fun to talk with you, have you break all of this down. Um, as we get to close to – as we get to closing this thing out, we always like to have you make a different type of – or make a prediction. And I know I'm not probably putting you in the best spot right now, dude. Mm. I, I completely understand that. And it, it's always hard to go against the alma mater. I'll let you – Take it the way that you need to take it in order to save face with your loyal fans there, Shane Williams Rhodes. But what do you think happens on the blue on Saturday? I know you guys don't want to hear this at home, but uh, there's going to be a lot of points scored in this football game. I'm thinking 42 yep. to 38. Good or bad, guys? Good guys. Good guys. <laughs> it has to be the good guys. Has to be the good guys. I took, I took the good guys even with a 14 and a half spread. Damn right you week. did. I had to, you know. It's mm-hmm. just, I got to take the good guys. I think that if they're going to win this game, it, that's going to be the way that they're going to have to win this game. Um, knowing what that UCF offense presents, the challenge they present, uh, I, it's unrealistic to think that many defenses are going to keep them to 24, yeah. 27, whatever, you know, uh, mm-hmm. below 30. So the, the Boise State offense is going to have to connect. They're going to have to find their rhythm. They're going to have to clean up their mistakes, and they're going to have to absolutely get after the Golden Knights. Yeah, and I think Ashton Gentry will be the player of the game. He'll, he'll make the plays. He was so good. He's always. He's always. always right? Yeah, he's just that never misses a beat. He's also got this. Man, I think the thing I'm most impressed about Ashton Gentry is just this, his mentality, man. He is. He doesn't want the smoke. He is the smoke. You know what I mean? Like, he, he truly believes that, I think. He yeah, truly he's... believes that. Every single time he touches the rock, he doesn't care who the hell he's going against. Yeah. He he believes he is the smoke. I'm telling you that. I always say it. He's my uh, comparison is he's the shorter version of J.J. That's that's my comparison. Mm, that's a hey, one hell of a guy to be compared to. If you can find a way to get him, what, 350? 47 touches or carries. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a whole hell of a lot, though, back in the 2014 oh, yeah. season. It would be fun to see what Ashton Genty can do. Shane, as always, my man, I appreciate it. I look forward to a fun season ahead. I hope we have positive news to react to this time next week. I do, too, because I was a little triggered last week. I just felt like I was playing Washington all over again in uh-huh. 2013. That's what it felt like. Being there. That's a tough game. Yeah. That was a tough game. You know, I, I don't know whose loss was worse. I think maybe ours because we only scored six points. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's, you know, and it, was, it seemed tough to change that offense overnight. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. 
All right, Shane, I appreciate it. Again, we'll be joining you all season long here on J Sports Bar. You can find us on uh, Apple as well as, well, iTunes. Um, you can find us on KTB Plus and then obviously KTB.com. But first episode in the books. We'll see you all on Saturday on the blue for Shane Williams Rhodes. I am Jay Tuss. This is J Sports Bar serving the Idaho sports community. Thank you.